This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Kim Reynolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, more position previews, recruiting going on this weekend, a new commit for University of Washington football team and more. But, uh, you know, just getting down to the um, the positions, Scott, you broke down the offensive tackles just this last day or so, but it's it's kind of up in the air. What's going on with Jackson Kirkland? Yeah, I, I think a lot is going on here. By the way, Chris was the one who did the tackles, but um oh, sorry. yeah, but um as far as Jackson Kirkland, I mean, I think we're working off of the assumption that until we find out one way or the other from the NCAA whether he'll be allowed back or not, we're gonna go with the fact that he might not be that he's probably not coming back until we find out that he is. But uh if if that's the case, man, it's it's huge for Washington. I think it would be better if he slid back inside and played guard. Um, but that doesn't sound like it's going to be the case if he is allowed back. And either way, guys, either way, it's, it's kind of a moot point. Even if Jackson Kirkland does come back, which I think there's still a very strong possibility that could happen. It's not going to affect anything that happens in spring. I mean, it, they, yeah, he's not, Scott Huff is still going to need to get guys ready in case he doesn't. Cause you, you hope for the best. You want to, you want to see a guy, with that kind of talent and ability come back for one more year, but they have to plan like he's not going to be around. And the, and the reality is in April, he's not going to be around. Uh, Chris, who takes the first rep at uh, left tackle, you know, for Springfield. It's going to be really, really interesting because you would think Troy Faltanu would be, cause he's the incumbent guy. He's the one that, that, that started games at left tackle. You know, he was the, the guy not named Jackson Kirkland that was a starter there. But you've got Roger Rosengarten that's really nipping on his heels. Um, you know, Roger's a guy that we saw play both sides, got a chance to work and get reps and turns at both left and right tackle a year ago. So I think that's really going to help him, his versatility. And obviously he's a great athlete. Um, you know, you've got guys like, like RJ Wersch coming through the, the pipeline. I, I don't think he's going to get the first rep. I would have to say, I would think it'd be Fautanu, but would it surprise me if it was Roger Rosengarten? Not at all. I, I think there's a very good chance you'll see Fautanu inside, slide inside the guard. So, you know, if you're trying to get your best five on, on the field, it might be Rosengarten at left tackle and Fautanu at, uh, left guard. Yeah. No, I could see that. I could see that happening, you know, once the games start, because that's assuming Jackson Kirkland comes back. But mm-hmm. for right now, I think you have to prepare Fautanu like, you know, he's going to be a left-sided player regardless. Cause I do agree with you, Scott, that if he's, if, if Kirkland does come back, they still want to get their best guys on the field, as you mentioned. So sliding a guy like Fautanu back inside, cause he's played left guard before that, that would make a lot of sense too, especially now that MJ Ale has moved to the defensive side. You know, you, you've, you've still got a lot of bodies there. You've got, uh, Nate Kalepo there. You've got, uh, guard Memelar there inside that you could, you could work on. 
But I think, you know, again, if the operating assumption is you're trying to get your top five guys in there, you would think Kirkland outside, Fautanu inside, if everything comes together for the fall. Yeah, but Scott, one of the things I'd like you to do is I know that they really like Roger Rosengarten. I know they really like Troy Fautanu. But I also know they really like Mateo Mele. You know, when you're t- taking a look at Fautanu mm-hmm. and Mele, can you compare those two? Uh, well, Fautanu, uh, Mele has your prototypical left tackle, right tackle size. He's, cause he's about six, almost six, six, and he's about 300 pounds, like right on the money. He's got good feet, played tight end in high school, got converted to O-line once he got uh, to his senior year and, and then, uh, has been at O-line with Washington. He's also played some center for Washington. He started for Nick Harris. In, against Eastern Washington back in 2019. So, you know, the guy has experience playing some other positions, but, um, I like Mateo Mele at right tackle and moving Vic Kern inside to play guard. Um, I, it isn't that I think Kern is horrible, but I just think I like that length on the, on the edges a little bit more than Kern, who's about 6'3, six, 6'4. Six, Same with Fautanu. I think those guys could be a great guard tandem. Uh, but with, as far as, uh, Fautanu is concerned, he is, he's got a guard body, but because of his good feet and because he's got really, really long arms, I think it was 80 inches plus in his, in the length of his arms, the, everybody have said that he can play, uh, left tackle pretty easily. And so I think that's kind of, um, you know, kind of the, the reason for the thinking of him being, being a t- out at tackle. I still think guard for Fautanu, but, uh, you could see either one of those guys out there. And Chris, could you see, uh, Nate Kalepo or, um, who's the big guy from Hawaii? Julius Bulo. Yeah. Could you see e- either of those playing tackle? Um, I think. They were both tried out at tackle. I mean, I remember that Kalepo was in the depth for the Vegas Bowl at tackle. Um, and then, and then Bulo was obviously at right tackle for a while, but clearly over time they've been moved inside. So I, I don't know if they're, I think their time at tackle has already kind of come and gone. Um, cause if you're looking at the right side again, as Scott mentioned, you got, you've got Kern, you've got Mele, and then you've got, uh, Samuel Peacock who's behind those two guys. Um, you know, you've got guys that are kind of in the waiting in the wings and, and they've got, they've got some guys there. There's no question. You've, you've got a lot of tackle bodies in the room, a lot of tackle bodies in the room. And the old adage is it's much easier to move a guy from tackle inside than it is to move a guy from guard outside. And so Scott mentioned the sizes of Kern and Faltanu, for instance, but we've seen it happen before. A guy like Senio Calamete. Same body type was a phenomenal tackle. So I think that you have to kind of put the intangibles in there too when you're looking at who is the best guy for the position, not just kind of the cookie cutter. You need a guy six, six and above or, you know, I think it's the footwork. I think it's all the other things that you put into it that really kind of when you start to narrow down who are the best guys that can play out on an island like that. Hey, Scott, you know, I've got to think the odds are on favorite of Jackson Kirkland coming back uh, are really good. I, I think there's a really good shot for him coming back. Now, if you're the coaching staff and you're Scott Huff and you think that you're going to get Kirkland back, but he's not going to be able to participate in spring ball, 
How do you handle that? You know, when you're talking about a Troy Fautanu, you know, who might be the leader to, you know, play that left tackle spot if he doesn't return, do you put him inside and maybe start your second uh, team uh, offensive tackle like Roger Rosen, yeah. Roger Rosengarden out there, knowing that you know to get him as many reps out there as he can, knowing that he'll be the second team guy if Kirkland does come back, and making sure Fautano is getting used to that inside position. How how would you approach that? Yeah, I I think you got to get Roger Rosengarten some reps with the first unit because you know there's who knows if Jackson will be able to stay healthy. I mean. A, a guy being able to remain healthy and play an entire season nowadays almost seems like a rarity anymore. You know, he's going to miss a game here, a game there with a sprained ankle, a, a thumb issue, a, a, a hamstring, whatever it is. Um, I think you got to get Roger Rosengarten as many reps at left tackle as possible, but you also need to get Fautanu some, some reps there as well because um, I really think that you need to make sure that you have that left tackle spot um, nailed down regardless who who's in there. So um I think if they if they feel like Jackson Kirkland's coming back for, for one more year and it's gonna happen, I think Kim, you are right. I think you move Fautanu inside, let him get reps at left guard, solidify that, let Roger Rosengarten get the reps at left tackle. And then um when uh Jackson Kirkland is ready to come back and, and is healthy and all that stuff then you just ease him in and he's got the experience. He's got what, what, uh, 15 games, whatever he's played out there at left tackle. Um, and then whatever he's had a right, right guard, he's got a lot of experience. So he should be able to move in there relatively easily. You know, he's going to be a, probably a quick study on the offense. Um, so I think, yes, Kim, if they feel like Jackson, uh, Kirkland is coming back and they've got a great chance to get him back, I think you will see, Fautanu inside at left guard, and I think you will see Roger Rosengarten playing most of the getting most of the reps with the first unit uh, at left tackle. I have a I have a quick hey, thought what, on this. What? What? It's, what, what just one. Real, just, hey, Scott, I just want to add one quick thing. If we see Roger Rosengarten take the first reps with the one, does that indicate anything with Jackson Kirkland coming back? No, I don't think so. Okay, I, I don't think you can read one thing one way or the other, but um, because. They could just feel that Rosengarten's ready to take over there and move Fautanu inside. There's that, that, that's always a possibility too. Sorry to cut you off, Chris, but go ahead. Well, no, it, no, it's okay. I've just, my only thought on that is if you're, if you're looking to slide those things, you know, slide Fautanu inside for spring and give Rosengarten those reps, you know, my only thought is based on the level of certainty that Scott Huff is in terms of understanding where Jackson Kirkland is in the process and knowing if he'll be back. You know, you could throw a carrot to a guy like a Nate Kalepo because you just asked, you know, what, what are the, what's the possibility he could go back outside? Well, you could see a flip a, a little bit. You could, you could, you, you could get Troy Fautanu his reps at left tackle as a, as an emergency guy, knowing that probably Rosengarten is going to be Kirkland's backup in the fall. But at the same time, you're still going to need that depth. So you could give a, you could throw a carrot to, to a guy like Nate Kalepo and say, look, Nate, we want you to get your reps inside, but we also think because you're just a left-sided player in general, we need you to get reps as well at tackle. So you could see some situations where it could be Fautanu and Kalepo on, you know, on, on a series of reps, and then you could flip them and you could see Kalepo outside with Fautanu inside so that they're kind of 
they're they're hedging their bets, I guess, a little bit, you could say, in, in that way. Chris, you know, we we talk about the inside guys. You know, the biggest guy on the offensive line, MJ Alley, moved over to the uh, defensive side of the ball. You know, tell me the impact of losing MJ Alley and what impact that has on the entire unit over on the offensive line. Well, it has a big impact, but I think I I just I get this sense, and I don't know if Scott agrees with me, but I, I just get this sense that Scott Huff has probably a different plan for these guys simply because of the, of the revamp of the offense and how they're going away from certain strengths to other strengths. And they're going to be looking for different skill sets from these guys instead of what they were being asked to do in John Donovan's offense. You know, in, in, in Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubb's offense, this is they're going to be asked to do different things. And so I think he might be, whether it's moving guys around or whether it's trying to, to emphasize other skill sets that these guys may be better at than they were last year. And, and that might be part of the reason why they weren't as good last year. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with those guys, but there's no doubt as you know, at center, when you lose Luke Wattenberg, you lose a starter like that, you know, the quarterback of the offensive line, that's a big blow, but they've, they've got guys there that have some experience. I mean, Corey Luciano is, is kind of been waiting there in the wings to take that spot over, but they moved Garen Hatchett from guard inside to, to center to see what happens. And then Parker Brailsford's a guy that they recruited specifically. And you see a lot of Nick Harris type traits in Brailsford. So I think that that position has some talent in it and it has some potential, but there's absolutely no doubt that uh, the proof will be in the pudding when they start playing this fall, the real games, because, you know, we have no idea how those guys are going to react, but having Henry Bainavalu back at right guard, for instance, that's big. Um, and so you, you've got that starter back. You've got, uh, you know, Julius Bulow could play at left guard, uh, going again because he, he has experience there from last year. Um, you, you know, this is the one thing about the offensive line, Kim. You've got a lot of talent, a lot of returners coming back. So we'll see how it fits, but I think Huff has some, have some, has some changes in mind and I won't be surprised if there's some guys playing some different positions in spring. You know, Scott, I think people sleeping a little bit on Henry Bainavalu coming back. I mean, he's a massive guy. But, you know, you were also talking about, um, you know, liking Victor Kern better at uh, on the inside than you did at tackle. So, you know, if let's say, you know, Victor Kern and Bainavalu both get are playing guard, I mean, give me – if you're going to have um, – uh, I mean, can Bainavalu or Victor Kern, because they've both been on the right side, can either one of those switch to the left side? Um, yes, I, I think they could. Um, I think they're probably better on the right side. Bainavalu is real interesting because if he's healthy and 100% go, I think he's the most talented offensive lineman on Washington's uh, roster. Uh, he's just got it all. He's got length. He's got size. He's got strength. He's got athleticism, good feet, all those different things. I think if he's 100% healthy, he's probably your best offensive lineman. But the problem is he had a knee issue, and that's why he walked last year. And he feels like he can come back. He feels like his knee is ready to go. Um, I don't even know if he's had a procedure on it or he just got some rest on it and, and things like that. But Man, I just I don't know if he's going to be 100% healthy, and that's why I'd like to see Kern maybe be a, a backup right guard at this point in time, and let Melee be outside at, at right tackle. So, um, 
you know, it's, it's all such a fluid situation out there at pretty much every spot, honestly. And there's going to be a lot of mixing and matching. And when we're writing up, when Chris and I and, and Jack and, and maybe Matt are going to be writing up the, uh, practice reports, don't get all weirded out by the combinations that they have. I wouldn't read too much into them because I think they're going to be working on a lot of different guys, seeing what combinations work best, who handles what better. Who, who is able to pick up blitzes better from left guard, maybe right guard, you know, all those different things. Scott Huff is going to have to be a mad scientist this. And Ryan Grubb, luckily he's got a old offensive line coach as the offensive coordinator because, boy, I, I think they're going to have to be mad scientists this spring. Chris, you may disagree with me, but when you're looking at that center position, when, you know, you mentioned that, you know, the backup of Corey Luciano and then Garen Hatchett, who would be a redshirt freshman. I'm just having a tough time seeing either one of those being the starting center. And the guy that I keep on looking at at that position is a guy who's actually had a start there is Mateo Melee. Do you see, you know, the battle between Luciano and um, Hatchet, or do you see somebody like Melee or somebody else possibly moving into that position? Well, there's no doubt. I mean, Melee started at Arizona back in what, 2019. So he has that one start under his belt, but, um, you know, it, it, that it, it just goes, and you may absolutely be right, Kim. That could be one of the wild card moves that Scott, Scott Huff has in his back pocket because he knows what Melee can do. He maybe wants that veteran leadership right away, and he, he may move him back in. I mean, Melee's been a bit of a unicorn in the sense that, you know, we haven't really seen a guy that's moved around that much from, from center to tackle since Coleman Shelton, and those guys just aren't, you know, they just don't, they don't come around all that often. And so if they, he did move back inside, then obviously now you've got to wonder, would you move a Bulo back outside? Would you, you know, who would be the backup right tackle at that point? Who would you use? Would you, would you play Rosengarten over there, for instance? Because we know that he's taken reps on both sides. Um, but at center, yeah, I mean, you, he, that could be one of the wild card moves. I think Luciano has all the traits that you would want in the center. Um, but he just hasn't done it yet. That's the biggest problem. None of those guys, uh, outside of, of what you're talking about in melee, none of those guys have actually been able to do it yet. They just have flashed a lot of talent and a lot of potential at this point. So we'll see what happens. Cause the other guy, to be honest with you, in your, in your, uh, in your ramp up to who you were going to talk about, I honestly thought you were going to be talking about Miles Morale. Because <laughs> Miles Morale is the guy that, really came in and he was the one that was supposed to challenge Nick Harris when Nick Harris was still here. And then he got moved to guard and now he's been kind of one of the odd men out. And I'm wondering if now Huff spies an opportunity for Miles Morale to get right back in the mix and, and, and really kind of assert himself because he's one of the, one of the most talented guys and one of the highest rated offensive linemen that they've had uh in, in a good while and that's and that's saying something considering scott huff has done a really good job recruiting and scott we haven't seen anybody take reps other i mean over the last couple of years you know wattenberg you know moved inside and then we've seen garrett hatchett and Corey luciano take reps at center but i've never seen miles morrow take a rep at center and i've never seen in all of last year i didn't see um Mateo Mele take a rep at center. Am I missing something, or did you ever see anybody else take a rep at center other than those guys? I think you're 100% correct, Kim. I don't remember ever seeing those guys take reps at center last year. Now, the thing is, we didn't get to see practice in 2020, so did they do that and then move, get moved because of different 
what you know what John Donovan was looking for, Jimmy Lake or whatever. Um, so, you know, I mean, the, the nice thing is the slate is clean for a lot of these guys. So the coaches are going to now granted the offensive line is going to have Scott Huff in there to kind of see what they're doing, but maybe the center is asked to do something a little bit different. And so that's why miles morale might get a little bit more of a look, but I think you're going to see Parker Brailsford in there before you'll see miles morale. I think Washington wants miles uh, morale out there at, at right guard, which is where he'd been backing up. He was with the third team last year, might be with the third team this year, but he looks like a different guy. At least when I saw him in the season, he looks completely trimmed down. He's about 330 now, uh, moving really well, was able to, you know, get after guys in, in the running game and everything like that. And I, I think we're going to see Miles Morale. If anyone's going to make a move this spring and in summer along the offensive line, that's the guy who I think could do it. I, I think Garen Hatchett's got a slight chance to do it, but I think Luciano's probably your starter at, at uh, center, at least to start, uh, the season. We'll see how that goes. Cause a lot of that's going to depend on Luciano is can he get his snaps down? Cause I, if you guys remember last spring and fall, his snaps were all over the place. And, um, this, this offense is going to be primarily out of the shotgun. So you got to have those snaps down. And so where's Hatchet at? Where's Morale at? Where's, where's Luciano snaps at? So I think you'll see a lot of guys rotate through there. I think Morale could see some reps there, but right now I think right guard is probably where he's going to be at. And Chris, last year, you know, taking a look at spring practice or fall ball, the guy who struggled the most with the shotgun snaps was Corey Luciano. I mean, it was, it just seemed like two or three a game, two or three per practice, you know, that were just really bad. Yep. No, that's a fact. I can't add much more to that. That's 100% accurate. Uh, moving over to the tight end position, I think that, that, uh, you know, we had a chance to talk to, you know, ZTF uh, a couple weeks ago and I asked one guy on offense to really keep an eye on and he said Devin Culp. And I think Scott, you've known Devin for a long time. He played basketball, football. He's a really good athlete. Is this kind of just the chance that a lot of people are looking for that are playing football is just the chance to break out because it sure like, looks like, you know, Devin Culp's got that chance to be the guy and he's just got to go take it and run with it. Yeah. I think this is his opportunity to earn that starting spot because I think Quentin Moore is going to, uh, be a guy to contend with. And I think that Jack Westover is going to be a guy to contend with as far as what Culp is looking to do. Um, you know, Culp had that really good game against Cal where he caught what five passes for like 89 yards. Um, but he's just, he's been hit and miss. I think more hit recently than miss, but still some hit and miss issues and his blocking has not been up to par, but that's the thing. Um, is that the Fresno state coaches like to spread their tight ends out a little bit more. And that's what suits Devin Culp just fine. So you could see some 12 personnel with Devin Culp moving out. Um, moving out to like the slot rather than being on the line and put Westover or Quentin Moore on the line. So it'll be interesting to see the different combinations that they use. Nick Sheridan's the, uh, the position coach over there. And, and I think he's going to be a guy who's going to be able to work some magic with those guys. I really, really like the body types and, and the number of bodies that they have at the tight end spot. So now it's just going to be figuring out how they're all going to be used and how they can get each one of them reps because I think Washington has done pretty well in recruiting that position. Ryan Otten doesn't come in until the fall and, um, I think he's going to be, um, you know, he's, he's going to need at least a year of seasoning. He's not like his brother who could play pretty quickly. He's going to, I think he's going to need at least a year in the weight room and just getting used to playing a real tight end role. 
um, where he's able to do both, be a receiver and be a, a run blocker. But, uh, you know, Quentin Moore, Devin Culp, um, you've got, uh, some other inter- interesting, um, uh, you know, body, body types out there with, uh, Nathan West and, um, uh, trying to remember the guy from, uh, Eatonville. He's totally drawn Caden a blank. Jumper. Caden Jumper. Yeah. You got some different body styles and, and, and things like that. And you also got Zeke Pelour who I think had a really good spring and fall last year and played a lot on special teams, you know, could he see some time this year? I think there's just a lot of things up for debate to see who ends up where uh, and how many reps get get thrown at these different guys. And, Chris, the guy who's got the most experience, both played the most games, the most experienced guy in that unit is Jack Westover. But last year I asked Jimmy Lake, is he a fullback or is he a tight end? And Jimmy Lake was pretty adamant he was a fullback. Is he a fullback this year or is he a tight end? Well, if I remember correctly, he took the first third down carry against Oregon State in the 2020 season. So they kind of featured him pretty early on, if I remember right. Um, he only played seven games last year, so we didn't get a chance to see the best of him, obviously. I'd say the nice thing is, is that Devin Culp got a chance to play in all 12 games. It was really good for him to get a full season, um, to really get solidified and create that foundation that now he can kind of push on from. Because if you look at the stats, even though Kate Otten only played eight games, you know, he had, Kate Otten had more catches, but Culp had more yards per catch. He had the same number of touchdowns. He had longer catches. So he's got the potential to, to have an Otten-like impact in the receiving game if he allows himself to be that, that kind of guy. Where it's going to be different is that Otten clearly is a, an asset when it comes to run blocking. And that's something where Culp and Westover and all these other guys are going to have to kind of follow uh, his lead, Kate Otten's lead, and be that guy that can that can be versatile and can kind of do it all. And that's that's going to be that's going to be the real challenge. I think they can go out and catch balls. I don't think there's going to be a problem there. Quentin Moore obviously has that kind of potential, but you know there was going to have to be some attrition at that position because they just simply weren't going to be as featured as they were under John Donovan. They knew they were going to lose Kate Otten, but, but losing a guy like Mark Redman probably was going to happen given the nature of this offense. And, you know, you, I think seven, eight tight ends is probably about the max that you're going to see with this particular offense under DeBoer and, and Ryan Grubb. And Scott, the guy that you know probably better than uh, Chris and I, uh, Quentin Moore, I think has the highest upside of anybody in that room. Uh, unfortunately, he was just dinged quite a bit last year. Yeah, don't disagree with you. I think he's probably got the most upside of anybody in the room. Can do it all, really. Um, was a average blocker in high school, but I've, I've seen, uh, some things from him that show me that he's been working hard at it and the coaches, the coaches really liked his progress as a blocker last year. Um, I think there's, there's going to be some opportunities for him to make plays this year and, What's going to be real interesting is, like you said, Kim, can he stay healthy? Because if he's healthy, I think he's probably the most talented of the guys in that room. And that that's a talented room. But, um, I mean, 6'5", 245, 250 pounds, can run down the middle, um, really stretch the field with his athleticism, can can uh, jump and, you know, is explosive as an athlete, soft hands. He's got it all. He just needs to put it all together. And, and if he can stay healthy, I think we'll we'll see – uh, the best of Quentin Moore this year. And Scott, is this a year for a breakout where uh, Mason West really needs to make a move? 
Yeah, it, it, it really is. And, um, I could see a situation where if he doesn't feel like he's getting playing time, he could possibly leave this, this, uh, you know, after spring ball. But, you know, I mean, he was a guy who comes out of La Habra High School. He's 6'4", 250 pounds, whatever it was. And he could be that hybrid fullback guy if you really need him to be, but he, he was used to catching passes in high school and he hasn't gotten that chance so far. So does he get more reps? Is he able to earn more reps? It's a new tight ends coach. It's a new position coach. Does he have a chance? And uh, I think a lot is going to be told to us throughout the year, or I'm sorry, throughout the spring, throughout the month of April. If he's not getting a lot of looks, I he is a definite candidate I could see for someone who might decide to move on. Mason West, Caden Jumper, are they the same guy? No, a little no. bit different. Caden Jumper's smart, shorter, um, and um, – and, you know, Jumper, I mean, Jumper's more of a Swiss Army knife. He's yeah, more he of an can athlete. do a lot of different things. Yeah, I mean, he he played quarterback for Eatonville. I mean, he played a lot of different positions. And and Mason West, I think, was featured more just as a as a straight tight end when he was in high school. Yeah, I'm showing them both listed at six three. You know, Caden Jumper at uh, two forty, uh, Mason West at two fifty. So, I mean, body wise, they seem like the same kind of guy, but. Uh, definitely something to keep an eye on with Caden Jumper. We really haven't a chance to haven't had a chance to see much of him or Mason West. But uh, let's take a quick break from our sponsors and we return. Um, big commit for University of Washington this weekend, as well as a big football camp um, uh, that uh, we'll be at as well. Uh, back in a moment. It's the guys from Dogman.com on Dogman Radio. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. I'm Kim Grinnells along with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, Dogman Radio, and uh, just a lot going on. And with spring football kicking in and recruiting definitely picking up, but uh, big commit this week, Scott, from a running back. Um, had offers from USC, Cal. I can't remember who else, but had a handful offer, but impressive on film. Absolutely impressive on film. Gets up to top speed really quickly. Um, can cut on a dime, puts his foot in the ground, gets downhill really quick. I like the kid a lot. Now, you know, Washington. Uh, by the way, his, his name's Tybo Rogers. Okay, yeah, it's, want to know. Yeah, it's Tylen Tybo Rogers. Um, and uh, he's on the commit list, so just go look at it. But uh, yeah, special player out of Bakersfield High School. Uh, plays against some really good teams in that area. It's more of a, I think it's. Where is Bakersfield? That's it's not Inland Empire, right? It's Valley. Is it more Valley? No, I'm not it's sure. Elliot Zajax High School, isn't it? What? Isn't it Elliot Zajax High School? Oh well, I don't know about that, but but <laughs> I'm going back away. Yeah, you say, are the only always. Bakersfield guy I remember was Nathan Rhodes, but I think he was from a different high school there. Yeah, yeah. so um, Bakersfield is a pretty big big city. So yeah, um, but. You know, I mean, just I was really impressed when 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 I watched his film, and I knew Lee Marks had kind of honed in on him and made him a big time target. The real question is, 
Does that leave room for Jaden Lemar, the the running back prospect out of Lake Stevens, probably top running back in the state? You know, I I don't know. Um, and we I I think they will end up taking two, and I know they're recruiting uh, Jaden Lemar, but they're also looking at some other 2023 guys too. So uh, that's that's definitely something to keep an eye on. How good of a get is that, Scott? It's big. It's big. It's their first one for the class. That helps. Um, he's a talented kid who had offers from pretty much most of the Pac-12, uh, that he could have gone to. And I think Washington, uh, did a really good job of, of focusing on him, getting him in the boat. And, uh, he said, he's already said he's going to start working on some of his seven on seven teammates and guys that he knows in the area and also his little brother, which I don't know how much that guy's going to be recruited, but, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good get for Washington. I, I really like what he brings to the table. Chris, you had a chance to look at his film. Any uh, any scouting report? Anything you like uh, about what you saw? Well, I, I think to be honest with you, you know, seeing him run and and know, knowing where he's from, he it feels like a quintessential Fresno State type running back, like a Ronnie Rivers type back. He's got the one cut and go, um, not not like super super top end speed, but fast enough to get the job done really versatile, can catch the ball really, really well out of the backfield. I think some people were wondering if he was going to be a receiver as well as running back. And I think they're, they're going to, they're going to show a lot of versatility with him. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he's a very, a very good running back who got offers from nine out of the 12 Pac-12 teams. And, you know, he's a guy, again, you mentioned Kim, a USC offered him, um, a number of big time schools offered him and it's a good early get. And you want to get some of those offensive guys in the boat. And, you know, I was surprised you guys were talking about, uh, Jaden Lamar. I was, I was, you know, a little surprised that there wasn't some running back attrition in last year's, you know, going into 2022. And I, I just feel like there, the, at some point, the, it's got to hit the wall and there's got to be some attrition that's going to allow Washington to sign more than one running back in this class. I just, I just get that sense. Scott, big football camp coming up this weekend. Tell people a little bit about what's going on there. So it's the National Preps uh, football camp, and it's the college showcase that they are doing in different regions. This week it is uh, Washington, and they're going to be up at the on the Tulalip Reservation and um, uh, doing workout out at a out of the camp out there. Um, they're going to be going all day, but the one that we're going to be focused on is the late later session. That's when most of the 2023, the top 2023 guys, maybe a few 2024 guys are going to be there working out, doing different stuff. And it'll be a chance for us just to get out, network a little bit, see some of the guys in person running around doing their thing, but also do some interviews. So hopefully I'll have, uh, you know, four or five, six interviews out of that and uh, maybe get you guys some intel from that as well. Yeah, uh, I don't. Did you hear the alarm go off in my hotel room? By the way, yes, I did. <laughs> I have no idea what that was. Uh, I don't see any smoke coming out the buildings, and I'm not smelling anything, so I think I'm okay. okay. All right. <laughs> uh, anything else to add, uh, add, Chris? No, no. Other than maybe it might be wise for you to get out of your hotel room here pretty quick. So maybe we should start wrapping it up. Yeah, no, I plan on getting out and getting out for a walk. And by the way, there was like 50 mile an hour winds in Vegas, uh, you know, the night of the, uh, uh, the basketball game and it was cold. It's not real warm down here in Vegas right now. So, uh, last minute thoughts, Scott. 
Last minute thoughts, you know, good pickup for Washington as far as uh, Tybo Rogers is concerned. Uh, excited to get back out on the road and see, see more of these kids at these camps. And I like where Washington's at, um, at tight end and at, uh, along the offensive line. Now it's just going to be putting it together. The nice thing for Kalen DeBoer is that I think this team massively underachieved last year. So if he and his staff can get in here and really motivate these guys to get going and, and be, and reach their potential. This, this team has a, a chance to do some, some damage this year in the, the Pac-12. Could they win the Pac-12 North? Always a possibility. But I think this year is going to be a little bit more of a struggle than maybe Husky fans would want to see. But, uh, I, I still think seven, eight, nine wins is, is definitely doable if they, if they get some progress from the team and, and from the, uh, quarterback position. If you get that, um, everything else kind of falls into place, at least offensively. Yeah, just a little tidbit. Uh, you know, Chris, you've done a great job of keeping the coaching salary, uh, database up, uh, up to date. And, uh, we've pretty much got everything. And, um, I'm not sure if we got Ron McCaffrey's or not. Did we get one on the strength and conditioning coach, Ron McCaffrey? Not yet, but we're supposed to. Okay. Well, let me tell you why you haven't got it yet. <laughs> um, first of all, Everybody I talk to raves about this strength and conditioning guy. Um, he's got NFL ties and you've heard, um, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, coach DeBoer rave about him. We're just hearing nothing but positive things. And we've also heard that, uh, he's making substantially uh, more money than Tim Saha did because he is that good. But, uh, the reason we haven't got it is because they had to make a little bit of a change in his contract. It sounds like once he got here, some schools that were in the college football playoffs came after him pretty hard. So he got a little bit of a bump. So hopefully we'll be getting that shortly, but, uh, hearing great things about the new strength and conditioning program. Scott, you're hearing the same stuff I am too, right? Yes, I am. Definitely. I, I've, I've heard it from several parents, a couple of whom are, are, uh, trainers, like physical trainers. So they know about the dynamic, uh, things that he's doing and, uh, with the way he's training these guys and how, how, uh, He's really motivating him and stuff like that. He's the off-season head coach, really, if you think about it, because he's the one that the kids get to spend the most time with. And and he's the one who has to kind of set the tone, and that's what he's done. The players all love him, supposedly. They're, they're, they're working their butts off is what I've, is what I've been told. Some of these guys are just drenched in sweat when they're done. And, and that's not a bad thing, you know, for these guys to be pushed pretty hard this, uh, during the off-season. Yeah, so just a little bit of a tidbit there, and as soon as we get a copy of that contract, we'll go ahead and get all the information up to you guys. So for all of us at Dogman.com, I'm Kim Grinolds, along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.